things. It's your girl Rebecca, and you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Ooh. Hey, Boo Thanks, and welcome back. I'm your beautiful host, Rebecca, and this is the Quarantine Spooky Story Special, Episode 9. So I posted yesterday's episode at exactly 11.59 because I wanted it to land on Thursday, even though you guys were probably listening to it on Friday today. So you will have two episodes to listen to, but I promise you this episode is going to be a lot longer and a lot crazier. Um, I found some really good stories from what I, what I saw, um, a lot of lengthy stories. So definitely keep your ears at full attention while you're wiping down that countertop one last time. Um, while you're cleaning those windows, open some windows. It's nice today, um, at least in New Jersey. Let's see what the weather is in New Jersey. It is 59 degrees right now. It's supposed to be a high of 64 by 2 o'clock. Um, sunny here, so if it's sunny by you, let some fresh air in. It's not going to kill you. Well, I, don't, I actually don't know. If it, I don't know. Maybe... Eh, you know what? Fuck it. Get some fresh air. Open the window. Go for a little walk if you can, but be safe and social distance yourself. Okay? Cool. All right. So for those that are new to the podcast, hey, boo things, new boo things. I am your host, Rebecca. I am one of two. Lily actually just texted me before I started recording and said that she is officially back in New Jersey and I am so excited to see her even though I don't know when I'm going to see her next besides like through video chat. So um, hopefully some upcoming episodes with the whole Just Ghouly Things gang back in action in the near future. So anyway, for our new Boo Things listening, this quarantine spooky special um, is something that I created as soon as I myself got into quarantine. Now I you know, I haven't gotten tested. I don't believe I have the coronavirus, but my job was shut down. Um, we're shut down till the end of April, um, unfortunately. Um, but fortunately enough, I do have other sources of income. But I wanted to keep this podcast still going because I know a lot of you guys are also in quarantine, on lockdown, whatever you guys call it, wherever you're from. And um, I just thought, you know, I can. I know how bored I'm getting here in this house. Um, only doing X amount of things throughout the day, I want my boo things to still be able to get their fix of paranormal. And usually it's only once a week that we have episodes posted. So um, that's usually fine for someone that's working normal work hours and has a life where they're always on the go. But now life has kind of slowed down for most of us. And you know, if, especially for boo things that may be living at home, times can get a little lonely. And, um, you know, we here at Just Ghouly Things want you to know that you're never alone and that we are always here to talk. So for those that are in quarantine that just need someone to talk to, DM us at Just Ghouly Things Podcast um, on Instagram. You can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. If you just need someone to talk to during the uh, long days in quarantine. But in the meantime, um, if you're not email, emailing us or... DMing us, listen to all of our episodes starting from season one, episode one. Um, we are almost at the one year anniversary of Just Ghouly Things. And it's crazy because I, I'm conflicted. Like I feel like a year has gone by so fast, but I also feel like I've known you guys and I've been doing this podcast forever. And I guess it's because it's a topic that I've had in my life for such a long period of time. And now being able to actually openly talk about it on such a universal platform, it's it's crazy. And I'm so happy that we have boo things that are so supportive and have the same interest and passion in the paranormal like we do. So let's get started because like I said, there are a couple of really, really long stories. So I don't want to keep you guys waiting too long. So let's get started. The first story is titled, My Best Friend Visited Me. I firmly believe my best friend visited me on her birthday. In January of 2011, my childhood best friend passed away. Her name was Carla. We were super close growing up, and I would often sleep over her house, and we would rent movies from the shop around the corner of her house. All right. Back up for a second. Do you guys remember 
one, you would go with your parents on a Friday night to a blockbuster, or for us, it was West Coast Video. And your dad would be like, all right, guys, pick out two videos that you guys want to watch during the weekend. And you would just go all over the store. And then we all know that one section in the back of the blockbuster, the West Coast Video, where you were never allowed access and you were always very curious as to what was in there. And then come to find out that was the porn room. Okay. Just had to put it out there. I was always very curious of that room. And I remember one time actually the door was slightly open and I like looked in and it was like red velvety walls and stuff. It was very fucking, I mean, they really marketed that room well. I mean, they they did a really good design for whoever was trying to get their pornography. So uh, good job, West Coast Video, even though you shut down um, many, many years ago. All right. Back to the story. Sorry. We sort of lost touch when I moved cities 400 miles away, but would still communicate. After she passed away, I remember I did not have dreams for almost two weeks. Then one of my close friends told me about a dream they had with her. Carla appeared to my friends in a dream they had never met before, and my friend asked where I was. She was looking for me. Then like clockwork, the following night, I had a dream with her. I was in her old neighborhood, and it was a bright-ass sunny day, and I could barely hear the cars in, in houses. Then from around the corner, Carla comes walking towards me, and she's smiling super big. She doesn't say anything, but gives me a big hug. I don't remember what happened after, but I think I woke up shortly. I forgot to mention that before the night, uh, before the dream that night, I was watching a movie and eating in my room when my nightlight starts flickering and eventually turns off. I thought to myself, no big deal. I'll get a new bulb. After I woke up from my dream, my nightlight turned on. I don't know what that means, but I felt her there. Fast forward to this year. I read recently about how lost loved ones tend to visit us during special times like birthdays, anniversaries of death. We just have to see it, I guess. So I started talking to Carla more often than normal and thanking her for everything she's done for me since her birthday was coming up, March 3rd. On March 1st, I was in the kitchen washing dishes when I thought to grab my phone so I could listen to my podcasts. Should be listening to just schooler things. When I walked into the living room, I got a huge whiff of Carla's house. It was unmistakable. You know when certain people's homes just have that smell? Yes. Not necessarily bad, just a certain scent. I smelled her. I couldn't believe it. I almost cried, but acknowledged her presence and said thank you for visiting me. On the morning of the 3rd, her birthday, around 5 a.m., my boyfriend and I got woken up to the sound of something small that fell coming from the kitchen. He got up to investigate, thinking maybe our cats dropped something. He found out it was a little wall sign we have in the kitchen that says, I love you more than bacon. It's been there for almost a year. Call it coincidence or whatever, but I have no doubt in my mind. I just wanted to share. Aw, that's so sweet. That was definitely a sign from your friend. And what are the odds that this little sign that just happens to say I love you more than bacon would fall on your friend's birthday? That's a, that's a sweet story to start off with. All right, next story. This one is a really long story, so buckle in, folks, and listen up. It's titled, Here's Something. I figure the best place to start is from the beginning. This all started back when I was 16. I've always been extremely interested in urban exploration, especially to places that are abandoned with colorful history, whether the building is condemned or out of commission, whatever the case may be. Being from Texas, there's plenty of opportunities to find places like this. This story, however, is about an orphanage called Woodman's Circle. This is interesting. I don't think we've ever done a story on an orphanage. <gasps> Maybe an episode Lily and I could do could be about haunted orphanages. All right, guys. Got it. I have to tell Lily. Okay. This is a very real place, and you can search it for yourself and read up on the history of it in case you don't believe what I'm saying is accurate. The orphanage is located in Sherman, Texas. Sherman is a very small town, probably less than 50,000 people. With not much else to look at, the orphanage peaked in, uh, The orphanage peaked my interest. If you don't know it's there, at night it's easy to miss. Behind a long line of trees just east of the freeway across a long courtyard, it stretches up into the darkness right before your eyes. From what I understand, it was intended for widows and orphan children. Maybe it was a seemingly ideal place to explore if you're looking to scare yourself a bit. <laughs> The building itself was abandoned sometime during the 1970s and has had a couple of fires since then. The property has been passed around to various owners over the years, certain private owners and a number of attorney groups. 
At the time of the story, the owners were a couple with some sort of trust corporation. There was no effort of maintenance or renovation, so basically the building has set rotting for close to 50 years now. Aside from a few no trespassing signs, nothing else has been added. Well, being 16, I looked at the warnings against entry as an invitation. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? I parked my car in a neighborhood about a mile down the road as to not raise the suspicion of any Johnny Q laws. During the walk to the orphanage, I was smoking cigarettes, listening to some Pink Floyd, simply trying to get myself into an already on-edge mindset. It was a decently warm night, but I still had a light jacket on just in case... The exploration required me to crawl or something of that nature. I kept peering over my shoulder, starting to feel more and more uneasy. Not necessarily due to anything paranormal, but like a cop or some nosy person from the neighborhood had an idea of what my intentions were and was going to make it a point to fuck up my plans. I decided to turn my music off so I could hear if someone or something was coming up behind me. I'm also ensuring that if I heard a car coming, I could just duck behind the tree line and hide for the possibility of it being a police car. It took me about 15 minutes to make the mile-long walk before I could just make out the silhouette of the orphanage. I ventured into the tree line and came to a three-stand barbed wire fence. I put my hands on the second line of barbed wire and pushed it down wide enough for me to slip through. As soon as I was through the barbed wire fence, I pulled my pack of Marlboros out of my jacket pocket, set a cigarette on my lips, pulled it out my Zippo, and lit it. And there before me laid Woodman's Circle. Now, I want to make it clear that I don't believe in ghosts, spirits, or any of that nature. Not to say I couldn't ever believe in them. I just never had any kind of experience that left me with no other explanation. When I first approached the main building, there was a staircase with maybe 15 steps leading up to the front door. At this point, I hadn't heard a car or even the wind for that matter for a couple of minutes now. The sheer silence was so acute that I could hear the tobacco popping in my cigarette. I'm not sure if anyone who reads this is a smoker, but to be able to hear your cigarettes crackling, it has to be pretty damn quiet. I was also quite aware of my own breathing at this point. I could feel myself making a conscious effort to breathe as slowly and as smoothly as possible. I did my best to listen for anything, any sounds at all, and still nothing. I started to step toward the front door and realized at that moment exactly how my converse were on the pavement. I tilted my feet to attempt to walk on the sides of my shoes the best I could. I tried to push the door open, but it wouldn't budge. From what I could see, it wasn't nailed or boarded shut, so I kept trying. After a couple of attempts, I figured I wasn't going to be going in that way. Over to the left of the main building is another building. I could see the door was wide open, so I decided to give that a shot. As I walked through the other door, I gazed out over the courtyard, expecting to see a police officer walking across the grass ready to find me for trespassing. However, I was still alone. I got to the second floor and saw that it was pushed open about three quarters of the way, enough for me to see clear down the hallway all the way to the back of the particular building. It's hard to estimate, especially being how dark it was, but I would guess the hallway itself was maybe 100 to 150 feet long and approximately 10 feet wide. I could see shadows of debris that littered the ground and kept having the thought of one of those shadows staring, starting to start moving around in my head. I do that to myself quite often, thinking of the scariest outcome of scenarios that I'm in and ponder the question, what would I do? I walked into the hallway and made every attempt to silence my footsteps as much as possible. The ground was so cluttered and covered in dirt and rocks that it made it impossible to stay completely quiet. I kept glancing from side to side into every doorway that I came parallel with. I could see that they were rooms. They had bed springs, toilets, bathtubs, even little bits of clothing. At that moment, I was more interested than scared, but only for the moment. A feeling of dread was beginning to wash over me, so I started to walk down the hallway from the direction I came and head into the main part of the building. The streetlights made the main building somewhat easier to see on the inside. I didn't have a flashlight with me, and I was trying to use the light from my phone sparingly. I didn't want someone from the street seeing my light on in the building, essentially giving me away. I made it to the main building and spotted and spotted the door I attempted to enter from earlier. I went to get a closer look. The door handle on the inside was the same as the outside, one of those handles with the little thumb latch at the top. To my utter shock, the door came open with ease. I couldn't believe it. I was sure the door was blocked in some way. Nails in the frame, shut, nothing. But no, 
it was as easy as opening the front door at my own home. I decided to close it again as to not arouse suspicion. I turned and looked at the layout of the entryway. I had thought of the possibility that I may not be alone as I thought. The door wasn't blocked by anything and definitely wasn't locked. Even if it was, somebody would have had to have unlocked it or moved whatever obstacle that was preventing it from opening it on the out of the way in the same amount of time it took me to walk from the side entrance. We're talking in the matter of three or four minutes here now. It also would have had to have been completely silent. I just didn't see how that was possible, though. I explained away the fear as I must have been opening the door wrong. Maybe it was one of those doors that, when it locked, can only be opened from the inside, like a public bathroom lock or something. Still, I found it at the very least eerie, unsettling. There were a few doors visible, only one of which with enough light for me to navigate. I chose that one. I went to the door on my right, and it led me to a small corridor. The corridor was Z-shaped, and it opened into what appeared to be some sort of common room. There were plenty of windows to let light from the street seep in, so I glanced around to see if I could spot anything of interest. There was a dumbwaiter over to my left, so I went to check that out. The cart wasn't in the shaft, or at least on this level, so I grabbed my phone for a little bit of light. I used my finger to cover the light so it wouldn't be visible from outside. I pointed my light up up the shaft of the dumbwaiter and looked up. I could see what looked like the car possibly stuck at least four or five feet above my head. I looked down and sitting at the bottom of the shaft was what I thought were children's clothes. They were probably about three or four feet below me, so I definitely couldn't reach for them where I was, so I honestly couldn't tell you if the clothes were modern or not. As far as I knew, they could have belonged to a kid that lived there during the time of the orphanage's operation. I let them be. I don't blame you. I stood back and looked around the common room again, still entertaining the idea of possibly having company lurking somewhere in the building. I began to focus on the massive amounts of graffiti splattered all over the walls. Some of the ones I took note of were dated as far back as 1985. There could have been older examples, but none with dates on them. It blew my mind to think of people walking around this building, exploring through the rubble, and leaving behind graffiti 10 years before I was even born. While I was reflecting on the amount of time the building had just been sitting there, I heard something. It sounded like talking, but extremely muffled. I could tell there were more than one person, but I wasn't confident enough to guess if it was more than two. I quickly turned my phone light on and tried to be as quiet as I could. From the sound of it, I thought it might be coming from somewhere behind the building. I started to make my way toward the back, which I could see some of due to the windows facing the rear of the building. As I got closer, I realized that the talking seemed to be coming from an actual room in the orphanage. I was in no way of going to introduce myself based on the fact I don't know who it was. Can't tell if they're a threat or if they're even aware of my presence, or if they're even aware of my presence at this point. I went through another door toward the back corner of the common room, led me to another small hallway with a few doors on either side, and there were three doors to the left and two on the right. This hallway probably led outside at some point, but it looked as as though the door had been blocked or sealed off. I stood at the entrance of the hallway, listening. The conversation was down to a whisper, so I wasn't able to make out any words. I took another couple of steps into the hall and slowly gazed at the first room on my right. It was empty. I could tell that whoever was talking on the right side of the hallway, so I knew they had been in the room right next door to the one I was in. I poked my head out of the room for a better chance to hear. As soon as I looked around the corner of the doorframe, I heard someone say sharply, Shh! Fuck! I stopped breathing. My whole body tensed up. I even tried to put my hand on my chest to keep my heart from beating so loudly. I started to weigh my options. Option one, just to ensure my safety, I could quickly turn on my phone light to improve my sight line, make a run for the front door just on the other side of the common room, sprint across the courtyard and into the street. At that point, I don't care who sees me. I just want to be out of there. Or option two, I could show myself. I know it sounds fucking insane, but maybe if I show myself to whoever is there... We can just have a big laugh about how scared shitless we all are and we can all leave comfortably. Who knows? Maybe they're as scared as I am. Hmm. However, there are more of them than there were of me, at least by one. I couldn't imagine them being as scared as me. I knew exactly how I would have felt had I had a couple of friends or even just one friend there with me. I would have felt 10 times better knowing I have backup. Should have brought backup, buddy. 
Still, I couldn't shake the feeling of the possibility that if I started to run, the fear would set in a million times more than it already has. I decided to go with option two. I spent a few seconds gathering whatever courage I could muster, and I spoke out. Hello? Silence. Hello? Again, silence. Listen, I just came in here to take a look around. I can leave, though. Several seconds of silence. Hello? By now, it had been about 15 seconds with no response. I stepped out of the room I was in and looked around the corner of the door frame to their room. Terrifyingly, the room was empty. Nothing to suggest that there were people in there. I was in deafening silence again, alone. I began to panic, so I grabbed my phone and turned my light on. I spun around to make a run for the front door, and right as I turned, I spotted someone sticking their head out of a hole in the ceiling, smiling at me. Oh my God, this is horrifying. I have chills. I couldn't move. I felt like I was experiencing something akin to sleep paralysis. I didn't even feel like I was standing anymore, but more like there was some kind of feeling of horror that filled me up, and that's what was keeping me upright. It was definitely a person, not a ghost or apparition, but it seemed just a tad off. I don't know, like their smile was uncomfortably wide and their eyes were unusually small and spaced apart. What? Okay, before I couldn't even conjure up another thought or emotion, I screamed. I rarely scream out of fear, not saying I don't get scared. If someone jumped out at me, I do the same thing most people do and just take a really sharp breath in, but it's seldom that something scares me so much that I actually let out a scream. I started to sprint to the door. Not even using my phone light, with no regard to anything except escaping, I just ran. I made it to the front door and flung it open. Barely breaking stride, I scampered down the stairs, taking them four or five at a time. I ran across the courtyard and made it to the tree line. I grabbed hold of the barbed wire fence and turned my head to look over my shoulder. On the porch of the woodman's uh, circle stood three people, I guess you would call them. They weren't doing anything, just standing there, staring at me. I couldn't make out their facial expressions or even their facial features. And all of a sudden, one of them began to scream. The scream sounded exactly like my scream, or at least the memory of the sound of your own scream still resonating in my head. I couldn't tell you if it was meant to be a mock or a taunt or if it was something else entirely. I just don't know. But I was still scared out of my mind, so I slipped through the barbed wire fence and ran straight to where I parked my car. Being a smoker, running wasn't my strong suit, but since I was only 16, I hadn't been smoking very long, and I made the mile-long run to my car in probably less than seven minutes. I hit the unlock button to my key fob, flung my door open, and jumped into my car. I locked my doors and started the engine and just sat there for a second. After about a minute, I put my car in drive and started the drive home. That is where my adventure that night ended. I have no idea what the hell happened or who the hell those people were. I truthfully couldn't even say if there were people. I suppose it could have been something else, but I just can't bring myself to definitively say that was the case. Oh, God, that is fucking insane. Like, could you imagine you are, first of all, Never, if you're going to investigate a possibly haunted, abandoned place, even just abandoned, it doesn't even have to be haunted, just abandoned, don't go by yourself. Go with a responsible friend. But then again, if you're going somewhere that you're going to be trespassing in an abandoned place, maybe that both of you aren't responsible, but just find a, find a friend that if something were to happen, you'd have someone there to protect you or at least be there with you. And backtrack to the fact he's by himself, right? And he looks up, and there's a fucking head poking out of the ceiling. The ceiling? That is fucking bananas. That is one of my favorite stories ever, hands down. That is one of my favorite stories. All right. Next story. Duin tried to get me to play. So I'm from Trinidad and, and Tobago, located in the Caribbean. And according to our folklore, a duin is the spirit of a child who died before baptism. They have no face except an O-shaped mouth, feet turned backwards, and a large hat. They usually lure children into the woods so as to make them lost and die. They also tend to be present at rivers and bamboo patches. Growing up, my grandparents and elder relatives would always warn me about them, and considering I live near a forested area and there's a river right behind my house, they used to say if Dewins heard someone call your name, they could take on the voices of those persons and use it to lure you in. 
it's kind of like a doppelganger situation. I usually ignore their warning and would play close to the river by myself because I was an only child back then. One evening when I was about 10, I was in my hammock in the patio. No, I had a clear view of the river and bamboo, boo, bleh, bamboo patch from where I was. It was about 4 p.m. when I realized the atmosphere suddenly turned eerie. The wind stopped blowing. The trees were still as fuck. Not a sound could be heard from any animals. And the street I live in became too quiet. And it was like I was frozen in time. While rocking in the hammock, I heard my mom suddenly call my name. It was as if she was shouting and kept calling for like two minutes straight until I shouted back, All right, I'm coming. Now, this is where it gets weird. All the time she was calling it, it was coming from the direction of the bamboo patch across the river. I was confused as to why my mom would be there, but my gut told me to check inside the house first. Walking through the house, I could still hear her calling me until I reached the back room and found my mom doing laundry. I asked if she was calling, and she said she never called me. I looked at the back door, and the calling stopped. I asked my mom if she heard someone calling my name, and she said she heard nothing. Since then, I stopped playing outside and never heard my name called again. That is such an interesting folklore. The doin'. I hope I'm saying it right. If you guys are from Trinidad and Tobago, let me know if I'm saying that right. But one of my girlfriend's boyfriends is from Trinidad. I have to ask him about this because this is so creepy and I would love to do maybe part of an episode on this. I don't know if there's enough information to do a full one, but this is interesting. This is an interesting one. All right. Next story. My grandmother's farewell after she died. So I was around seven years old and my grandmother had cancer. After she was diagnosed, she was hospitalized and was in a hospital for a couple of months, if I can recall correctly. Given that the hospital was quite far from our home because we live in a small town. We couldn't really visit her often. I really missed her and wanted her home. At the time, I shared a room with my sister, and she's the type of person to wake up to any little sound at night. So one night, while I was sleeping, I woke up and saw my grandmother standing at the side of my bed. I was really calm, and I felt really peaceful, and I remember looking over to my sister, and she didn't wake up. But like I said, she always wakes up to everything. My grandmother didn't talk just looked at me and eventually I fell asleep again. When I woke up in the morning, I thought my grandmother came home last night. So I went to the kitchen and saw that my mother was really crying. Then she told me that my grandmother passed away last night and remember feeling really confused. I never told my mom about the encounter or that I saw her in my dream. Maybe I honestly don't know if it was a dream or reality. Even if it was a dream, I still think she contacted me to have a farewell of some sort. Also, the fact that I remember a lot of little details makes me think it wasn't a dream. Could it be that it was only a dream because I really missed her? Even if it's just the timing, it's just way too precise to be a coincidence in my opinion. Has anyone had an ex- a similar experience? Wow. So this, I had to put this in because I kind of had a similar experience. So when my mom's mom, my grandmother, had cancer, she was in the hospital and I was, I was like sixth, seventh grade. And I just, I, this was like really my first death that I was experiencing. Um, or at least knowing someone was sick. This was before she passed away. And I just always thought she wouldn't, she would overcome it. Um, but I hadn't known that, you know, when she was first diagnosed, it was like stage three or four. And she had asked the doctor when she found out, she was like, am I going to be able to see my granddaughter walked down the aisle and he looked at her and said, you're not. And, um, I didn't find out that experience till, um, a few years later when I was like in high school. So I never really knew how extreme it was of the cancer that my grandmother had. Um, and she was just like a strong woman. So I just thought, you know, she'd get through anything. So at this point I was sleeping in my mom's room and a lot of those nights, my mom was staying at my grandma's at the hospital. And um, I didn't think anything of it. And it was close to it was close to um Christmas and it was twelve thirty something, like around midnight on December twelfth. It was ju- it just turned December twelfth. And I remember in my head, like having these th- these thoughts, because at the school, you know, they have like those holiday those holiday shops and stuff. Well, I had gotten my grandmother a teddy bear and that said, I love you. And I remember thinking, 
in this dream, or I don't know if I was awake, but it was in my subconscious. I was thinking, what are you going to do with that teddy bear now, Rebecca? Like, and it was like my gra- in my grandma's voice. And um, it was just like I was hearing my grandma's voice and like I had this feeling that she died. And I was like, but my grandma's still alive. Like she's sick, but she's alive, you know. And then I woke up to my mom laying next to me in bed and she was looking at me. And I was like, good morning, mom. And she was like, good morning, sweetie. Um, I need to tell you something. Grandma passed away this morning. And um, as much as I wanted to cry, I couldn't because, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. I couldn't cry because it was like that moment of knowing that night that that happened, that she came to me in my dream, it was like closure for me without me knowing it was closure. And I told her about the teddy bear and how I um, had this dream. And she said, you should put that teddy bear in her casket. And that's what I did. And then I found out that she had died around 1230 something, around the same time I had woken up from what I thought was a dream or in my dream I had woken up at 1230 something. So um, I think that was confirmation for me that that was her um, saying goodbye. She always, she always told me and everyone in my family knew that I was the favorite because I was the oldest um, grandchild. So, uh, and I spent a lot more time with her than my and than my cousin, my other cousins. So um, that one definitely hit home to me. It definitely hit home to me. All right, this next story is called Haunted the Home. Tis a long one, but I have to start from the beginning, so here it goes. I just went through a pretty crappy breakup and wanted to start fresh. I stayed with my mom for a while to save up and look for a place when one fell into my lap. My boss had a property for rent, and I went to give it a look. It was a complete mess, literally animal feces all over, hadn't been cleaned in ages, and still had all the previous owner's belongings in it. However, I was able to look past it all and see what it could be. He was also entirely upfront about the previous owner passing away there, which didn't bother me too much because people die everywhere, right? Anyway, anyway, he did all the work for me to move in, new floors, new paint, and it was lovely. Off the road, half mile, nothing but trees and around and no other houses, etc. Perfect place to get my head right. I had extra space and wasn't really sold on living completely completely alone, so I offered the basement to my brother and his girlfriend and my baby niece. She had spent a lot of time in the hospital, and I saw it as an opportunity to spend as much time as possible with her. The more experiences I uh, started before we even moved in, but being a fan of the paranormal, it intrigued me more than it scared me. About a week before we moved in, I was working a night shift and sent my brother to meet the furniture truck and start assembling it. He had been in the house about four hours, then called me and told me to send someone to get him because something had spooked him, which made me laugh at first because I had only heard of horses being spooked, not six-foot men. (laughs) I pressed for what happened, and he said that he heard two men talking in the bathroom, which leads to the basement. No possible logical reason for this as it was in the middle of nowhere. So I sent my friend to go get him, and he managed to calm him down a bit and proceeded to help him. About an hour later, they show up at my job saying they were done for the night and would go back during the day because they went upstairs to put a bed together, and they came back down to the door being wide open. It was winter, so everything was being kept shut to keep the warm inside. Fast forward a few months uh, of Fast forward a few months, we've moved in and hadn't really had any notable occurrences other than feeling a presence. My niece was back in the hospital and was going to be released the next day. So I decided it would I would clean the house and their room so it would be nice for them when they returned home. I worked night shifts for years, so I do my best cleaning in the middle of the night. I was alone, had some music going on, cleaning. All goes normally until I get to the basement. I had lined all the toys up against the wall and crossed the room to the crib to make that. While I was bent over fixing it up, I felt a rush of air behind me, freezing air, even though it was nearly summer at this point. I brushed it off and continued. Then from behind me, I heard one of her toys go off and say, purple, (laughs) in a creepy ass voice. Mind you, I had not even five minutes before literally picked this toy piano up and moved it without making a sound and it was so new so it had fresh batteries i decided it was good enough and called it a night (laughs) my 
older, my other brother was getting married, so him and his wife were staying with me in the days leading up to the wedding. He said he was laying on the couch, which is under the stairs, looking into the reflection of the TV screen late at night when he saw a pair of legs start to come down the stairs. He was so convinced it was my brother that he turned around to address him just to see no one there. A few weeks later, we had some family friends over and their daughter, who was about six, and she was just walking around exploring. We were in the living room, and she came down and asked who the lady was at the top of the steps, and we assured her that there was no lady. Her parents looked freaked and left shortly after. Seeking a thrill one night, I convinced my brother's girlfriend and stepsister who were visiting that we should go to the attic and try to record some EVPs. We open the attic door, the entrance to which is from my bedroom. We start recording before we even went up, which took a minute or two because my brother's girlfriend wasn't too keen on the idea. So we were reassuring her that it'd be fine. She finally went the rest of the way up. We were up there probably about 10 minutes asking questions and then something moved. No clue what it was, but we hauled back down the steps like a herd of elephants, nearly tripping over each other to get back down quickly. Thrill accomplished. So we go to listen to the recording, and in the middle, in, in the beginning, when we were convincing her to come up, you hear me saying, just come up. And immediately after that, a man's voice was on it that said the exact same thing. Just come up. There were no other men even in the house that night, and we didn't hear until we played back the recording. We all slept in the living room that night smart. After catching the voice, I wanted to investigate further and find out all I could about the house and the property and the previous owners, but couldn't find much. So I contacted a paranormal team thinking they would have better resources. They came to investigate and kind of filled in the missing gaps. I had only one known death there, a man who died in the summer before I moved in, but they found an older woman too. And that house was built in 1907 and that the house was built in 1907 and it was only one family that had lived there since it was built. Hmm. They didn't catch a whole lot of evidence-wise um, other than some bangs in the attic, which they were right under and didn't hear until they played the recordings. Also, at the top of the stairs, where the little girl had mentioned seeing the old lady, they put a trigger camera The motion that's ocean, ocean, that is motion-activated and only takes a picture when it senses movement. They said it went off like 30 times by itself throughout the time they were there, but nothing to see on the pictures. And an EMF spike at my niece's crib was the only place that it spiked in the whole house. Unfortunately, they only used audio and trigger cams, no video, which probably would have yielded more results. The activity died down after the first year. Once we made it home, the activity just dwindled, only increasing when we had big family get-togethers like Christmas and Thanksgiving, but think that's just because they want to be a part of it. Haven't lived there in like five years, and in a strange twist, my mom ended up renting it after I moved out since I wanted to downsize, and she wanted something bigger. She lives there to this day and has only had minor playful happenings like hiding keys, though they do keep the attic sealed up now. <laughs> That's an interesting story. I mean, it does. It definitely doesn't seem like anything malicious. It seems like the man and woman that are there are just a little lonely, and they just want to feel included. All right, next story is titled Tombstone in the Forest. I was 15 when this happened. Sorry, I'm not good at explaining things, but I'll try my best. So I was growing so growing up, I would spend a lot of time at my grandma's house. She lived in the middle of nowhere with a giant forest surrounding her house, and I used to explore the forest for hours at a time. One day I found a pond. It was fairly big, and I began to circle it. To my left, I saw this small, run-down cabin with a person crouched over next to it. He looked like he was in his 50s or 60s and was wearing jeans and a jacket. He looked normal, and I assumed he was homeless. I didn't draw attention to myself, but he saw me and began to wave. Stupidly, I waved back, and he made his way over to me. He asked if I had anything to spare. I said I had no food, and he said he didn't want food. He wanted old knickknacks, but I didn't have any. <laughs> yeah, I just carry knickknacks around me. Um... He told me he was going to die soon and that when he does, I should visit his grave. He began to talk about his life and what he regretted and left when the sun set. The next time I visited my grandma, I went back to the pond and saw a tombstone in front of the pond. The dates on the stone said the person was born in 1912 and died in 1966, but it was the message that freaked me out. Don't forget me, my real name. I was freaking out because 
what? I never told this guy my name. And there is a random tombstone in the middle of the forest. And how did it get here in the same spot where we were talking? (laughs) I went back to the same spot a few more times after that, looking for the man, but I never saw him again. Wow. That story was short, but gave me the craziest fucking chills on my leg. Holy shit. What are the odds that don't forget me and then puts his real name? What? What? That's pretty crazy. All right. Next story. It was there when I woke up. This story takes place aboard the USS Yorktown in South Carolina. If you didn't know, BSA troops, Boy Scouts, are allowed to do overnighters there and sleeping in the birthing quarters. Funny name, I know. Birthing quarters are those rooms any normie would call a bedroom, except it was a room full of almost 100 tightly packed bunk beds suspended by chains. When our troop got there, we all chose what bed we wanted. I chose the very top bunk. Oh my God, I slept on a battleship called the USS the hell was it called was it called uss battleship uss uss new jersey i don't know but i i stayed on a battleship once when i was a girl scout myself it was pretty fun anyway fast forward to that night the lights grew dim and finally went pitch black my friend ryan and i were on my bunk playing unravel 2 for about an hour at this time you could see a few scouts phones radiating light As we played, one by one went dark until Ryan and I were the only ones awake. Minutes later, he decides to go back to his bunk. I am alone in a dark metal room with a single red light bathing the entire room. This looked so fucking terrifying, so I just tried to go to sleep. Note that I was sleeping on top of this plastic mattress with no cover. I finally fell asleep. Suddenly, I was back in my room at home. The room was dark. Everything was fine for about a minute. Then I noticed some sort of cat was at the end of the bed crawling around my feet. This was a dream, which I knew, so I did the only thing reasonable. I kicked that fucker into next week. Oh, my God. Only here, no crash of it hitting the wall. I certainly felt my foot hit it with lots of force. I woke up. I felt something crawling around my feet. It turned its head towards me. It was the same cat from my dream. I will never forget it. I will never forget that it had no face. I sat up and scrambled against the wall. And this was not a dream. This was most definitely not a dream. I never have lucid dreams. The first thing I had in mind was to kick it. I did exactly that. I kicked it with both feet. The cat thing flew about 10 feet or so, but never landed. No crash or anything. No sound. The whole room was silent. I vividly remember feeling its ribs as I kicked it and do sound like kicking a hollow pumpkin and feeling its paws on my legs. I was awake the rest of the night playing Demolition Derby 3 on my phone. I have other creepy stories from staying aboard the USS Yorktown, but this takes the cake. All right, so I just have to say, we might have to uh, check in on our Boy Scout boy over there because uh, make sure he's not killing any animals or anything like that because that sounds like some serial killer shit. <laughs> um, just kicking random cats. Oh, my God. Well, at least, at least they were ghost cats, if for nothing else. All right? But that's, yeah, that's weird. The fact that he dreamed about this cat and then it was faceless. That's horrifying as a child experiencing that. All right, next story. Possible reincarnation of a Buddhist monk. When I was traveling to Ladakh many years ago, my boyfriend and I spent a week staying in a room above the tea shop in a tiny village on the road from Karjil to Lai. The village had a tea shop, a goomba with a... A few resident monks, a herd of goats, and that was about it. But we'd been traveling a few months by that stage, and it felt like a good place for us to hole up and rest. Anyway, on our first morning there, we were abruptly woken by a young monk knocking at our door who announced in very limited English and a lot of hand gestures that he had to come take me on a tour of the Gumpa. I hadn't met this monk but bef- uh, before, but despite the language barrier, immediately felt comfortable with him, and though it was a bit odd at first, as despite my boyfriend tagging along with us, the monk's focus was always clearly on me. 
to cut to a long a long story short, we spent much of that week in his company and got to know him well. Although in private, my boyfriend would jokingly refer to him as my suitor. There was never any creepiness, and we both felt the monk's obvious devotion to me was more in the way of an old and dear friend who hadn't seen me for years and who was clearly very excited to see me again. Anyway, after a week, we decided to say our goodbyes and continue on to Leh. After a month or so in Leh and exploring the surrounding countryside, we eventually decided it was time to head back down to India and so caught the bus out. When our bus made a quick stop in the monk's village, we didn't have time to get off the bus, but the young monk suddenly appeared on my window and grabbed hold of my hand. He quickly told me not to worry and that he would see me again, and when I tried to explain that he wouldn't because we were now on our way back to India and would be returning to Europe from there, he shook his head, gave me the most beautiful smile, laughed, and said, no, no, no. I see you again another time. And as he ran beside the bus holding my hand for as long as I could, as long as he could, I realized that he meant that he would see me in another life and felt a sudden rush of emotion. After a while, I forgot all about the young monk, and it wasn't nearly till 20 years later after my son was born that I remembered him again and what he'd said. When my son was born and I looked into his eyes, I instantly felt as though I remembered him, which I hadn't had with my other children. And not long after, when I began to take him out and about, people began commenting that he was an old soul. And when I asked them what they meant, that he had been here before. And these were relatively normal moms and dads at play center and school who weren't commenting that about other people's babies. But I let it pass thinking it was just one of those silly things people say. <laughs> yeah, just casual. Oh, your kid's definitely reincarnated. But as the months passed, although he was very advanced physically, he started walking just before six months and by eight months was climbing every gate, ladder, and tree he could get his little hands on. He just his speech didn't develop normally. He spoke pidgin English very hesitantly, as though learning a second language, but spoke a different language very rapidly, whose delivery style reminded me of the Tibetan-based language spoken in Ladakh. We presumed and told people it was just a speech delay, but every time he spoke, I couldn't help but be reminded of the young monk and what he had said about how he would see me again another time. By the time he was four, English had replaced his other language and now 11 has no memory of this other language. But as he grew, he also started to display certain character traits I remember as belonging to the young monk, a very particular sense of humor, a love of sugar, an interest in the planets and stars, gestures, postures, and facial expressions I remember as belonging to the monk, etc., and which my other children don't share. Anyway, although I would love to believe in reincarnation and have read a number of accounts to, which seem to confirm reincarnation, or at the very least, a, a well of past life knowledge we can dip into, I've never been able to rationalize how reincarnation would work at a universal level, and so I still sit on the fence where reincarnation is concerned. Having said that, I still wonder about my son and the young monk from Ladakh. That is a pretty, that's a pretty cool story. That's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. I would love to do another episode on reincarnation. Lily and I did one, um, season one, episode 18, called Thank You, Next Life. Um, so definitely check that out if you haven't listened to that episode already. All right. Next story is titled, I'm more than happy to self-isolate right now. <laughs> this begins. For the past 20 years or so, my house has backed onto the woods. They creeped me out when I was younger to the point where I avoided even looking into the trees in broad daylight. I grew up and the fear left again until one night a few weeks ago, and I'd like to share that experience and those that have occurred since. I'm aware this may not be considered paranormal, but I'm uncertain. My little dog is pretty old now, and she has a few health problems, which means that we pretty much have to keep an eye on her at all times especially when she's outdoors. I let her out one night a couple weeks back and st stood at the back door to watch her uh, while she wandered around the yard. After 15 minutes or so, she had done her business, and I tried to encourage her to come back indoors to no avail. She does this thing where she hears something in the woods where she turns abruptly to stare toward the location of the sound, and she gets super tense. Her tiny body becomes rock solid. She did just this, but I hadn't heard any sounds. She stood and she stared, and I failed terribly at trying to gain her attention, not even rustling a packet of ham. As I was about to storm onto the grass in my slippers to grab her, I heard someone call my name from the woods. 
It didn't sound threatening, but it wasn't a voice I recognized, and I hesitated. The voice came again, same tone, same volume, but this time I began to panic. I couldn't tell how far away the voice was. I knew I didn't want to respond. I ran at my dog, scooped her up, and and ran back indoors. I locked the back door while refusing to look outside through the glass for fear of seeing something. This happened on two or more two more occasions since then. Both times I only heard the voice once before diving indoors, and one of these occasions was in daylight. I never get the sensation of being watched, and I don't feel any sense of malevolence, but Lord knows I'm scared. I don't blame you. Hearing your name called from out in the woods? Mm-mm-mm. Something is trying to lure you in, child. All right. Last story of the episode is titled Collection of Paranormal Stories from My Childhood. A little background. I grew up in rural New Jersey. Hey, hey, hey. The house I grew up in was new, built by my parents when they decided they wanted to start a family. The property had previously been an old farmland, as was most of the area, and had been largely undisturbed until my parents bought the property and had the house erected. Set far back from everything, we had a long gravel driveway and some elements of the farm that once resided there remained, such as some very old rusty barbed wire in the wood line and some old stone walls that had once marked property lines. Not essential to the story, but just to help you paint a picture. When I was four, my mom gave birth to my brother, who we will call Jake. Then, uh, when I was six, my mother gave birth to my youngest brother, who we will call Matt. I don't recall having any paranormal experiences at home before Matt was born. Everything seemed normal all my parents, until my parents decided to build an addition to the house. This decision was made because we primarily needed another bedroom for Matt, as my parents wanted us all to have our own rooms. So my parents had a construction company come and dig up with uh, some yard uh, to extend the foundation, add on a family room, and then add on another room. Matt was finally born, and the addition was completed. Being the oldest child, I had dibs, and I was promised the newest bedroom. I finally moved all of my stuff into my new room, and this is where things started to change for me. The atmosphere in that room was different from the rest of the house. I felt rather uncomfortable being there, especially alone. I had this feeling that someone was standing like two inches behind me and staring at me. I had this feeling 24-7 when I was in that room. When I want to go to sleep, I'd have to figure out which way I wanted to face, toward the wall or toward the open. I felt vulnerable to whatever I felt watching me if I faced toward the wall, but if I faced toward the open room, I feared opening my eyes and potentially seeing a figure that didn't belong. I tried telling my parents that I didn't feel comfortable, and I ended up sleeping on the floor in either my brother's rooms from time to time. But my parents had enough and made me go back to my room. So I forced myself to deal with it for a while, trying to play it off, until one night I heard a thud toward the back of my room. I sat up and looked back, finding that a figurine had fallen to the floor from one of my shelves. And immediately after, I heard footsteps creaking across my floor to my bed. I bolted out of there and knew something was up. I spent the next three months or so sleeping in my brother's rooms, and my parents let that slide because they saw how terrified I was at night. I was totally afraid to go in my room after, a, after that for a while. At this time, I'd like to mention that neither my mom nor my maternal grandmother were strangers to paranormal activity, my mom especially since she had experienced a lot as a child. During this time, my maternal grandmother came to visit and stayed in my room for a few days since I wasn't using it. After the last day there, she told my mom in confidence that there was something not right in that room and she didn't feel comfortable at all. And then proceeded to tell my mom about the feeling that she was being constantly watched. My grandmother said she'd never spent, uh, she would never spend a night in that room again. I didn't learn this until years later, but explains why my mom sort of eased up on me after that visit. It makes me feel less crazy that someone else experienced that. In addition to being uncomfortable in my room, my grandmother told my mom that while sitting in the family room, she would sometimes see a black figure out of the corner of her eye going up and down the stairs. My mom told her that she wasn't imagining things, and she would also see a black figure going up and down the steps. I also learned later on that my mom... Uh, I also learned later on from my mom that she would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and see a child figure next to the bed staring at her, but it wasn't any of my brothers or I. She started to, she said it used to startle her, but she ended up kind of ignoring it. Jake acted a little weird around this time too. He was still quite young, but he used to be terrified to go into the the bathroom by the stairs because he said, there is a man in the wall. Skip ahead a couple years. Some time has passed and things seem to have kind of settled down. 
I had been able to return to my room and felt a lot less scared to be in there, but I still kept my head on a swivel. I was glad that things were looking up, but this wouldn't last forever. My parents went through a pretty bitter divorce. Sparing you the details on how we got there, things got nasty for a while. Lots of yelling, screaming, and overall destructive behavior. The atmosphere of the house became very full with anger. It wasn't that long before some paranormal things returned. Luckily, I spent most of my time living with my mom elsewhere during the divorce, but my brothers and I still had to stay at my dad's every other weekend. Little things started happening, but no longer isolated to any one room. Remember the presence I felt in my bedroom sometimes uh, some years back after the addition of the house? Well, that presence came back, but this time I felt it all over the house. I was legitimately afraid to go back there because I didn't feel secure anywhere in the house at that point. But I went anyway because it was the law, had to go as part of the divorce agreement. I watched some stuff move on its own. The things turned on by themselves. For instance, I remember being on the first floor by myself late at night when everyone else was upstairs sleeping. I was getting ready to head back up and the VCR in the family room turned on along with the surround sound system and Star Wars resumed where I left off. Another day, the the record player in the family room had once randomly changed speeds from 33 RPM to 78 RPM. So whatever was playing sounded like a chipmunk's version. And lo and behold, I had a Darth Vader lamp in my bedroom that decided it would like to randomly turn on. This thing must have really liked Star Wars. I couldn't wait for my weekends with my dad to be finished because of these things. The last scary thing I remember happening to me there was when I was taking a shower. I heard what sounded like a music box at night on the other side of the curtain. And of course I looked and there was no one there. Eventually things had settled down, tensions cooled, and all as time went on. It's been some time now since I've last experienced anything paranormal while visiting my dad. To this day, I believe that the things I experienced in that house were a combination of disturbing the soil and the negative energy introduced during the divorce of my parents. Thank you for following along. I just wanted to share my personal experiences and family uh, that my family and I had while I was growing up. This person also added to their story at the end. I did some talking with my mom about all this, and she said that after my grandmother spent those nights in my room, she described the feeling as pure evil and said she never wanted to go in there again. Additionally, I should add that my parents were avid collectors of antique things like furniture and tools. All right, so there's just, okay, that last part was so important because I was thinking, oh, maybe this evil spirit was conjured up by the addition of the house because um, you know when you disturb a property, Sometimes the spirits that reside on that property want to make themselves known, saying, hey, we're here. We don't like what you're doing or you're making us uncomfortable whatever. But it was interesting that it seems like when they first built the house, the mom didn't say they had any experiences while building the initial house on the property. So why would that happen when they built the addition? So I'm thinking maybe actually maybe something from the house that they brought in from a garage sale like or an antique shop or whatever. Um, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is. I'm thinking it's an object perhaps. Um, but that's interesting. I mean, it could definitely be something that was on the property, but I'm thinking it may be an object. All right, guys, and that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share on the podcast, email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Let's go through all the socials. Um, Instagram, justghoulythingspodcast. My personal Instagram, at Rebecca Ruber. Facebook page, justghoulythingspodcast. Our private Facebook group, justghoulythingspodcast group. Um, you can donate to our Patreon at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. All the money goes directly into letting, allowing the show to happen. Um, podcasts are not free, people. So, um, you know, the, the, tech, the technology that we use, the subscription services we use to actually run the show, um, it is not cheap, but we do it because we love what we do and we love being able to connect with you guys at this level, it's an indescribable experience and feeling. Um, but if you don't have money to spare, especially during this time, we totally understand 1000%. But we do ask that if you listen to us on Apple podcast to rate us five stars and leave us a review, um, 
those ratings and reviews help us build up on the charts. We're already starting to go up on the charts. Um, I'm seeing from our insights, we're starting to move up. And um, if we can get in the top 100 by the end of 2020, that would be our goal that I know that we are capable of doing. We just need your help. And if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, that's fine. If you listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, even SoundCloud, um, screenshot screenshot our show, screenshot an episode that you like in particular, um, and share it on your social media. Get other people to hear about us. Um, It takes less than two minutes to rate and review us and to post about us on your social media. You don't have to make an actual Instagram post. You can just post it on your story that lasts 24 hours. Do whatever you can. Share it with other Facebook groups that you may be a part of. Um, Spread the word because every little thing counts and every little thing that you do, we appreciate to no end. So thank you again, Boo. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.